0: Welcome to Foul Players Radio, your podcast for arts, entertainment, and pop culture. My name is Michael Spedden, your host. Every episode features interesting people with fun, fascinating stories about their journeys in the performing arts. Authors, actors, musicians, dancers, athletes, comics, you name it. Sit back, relax, and have a listen. Let's have some fun. Foul Players Radio is a proud production of the Foul Players Group and a proud member of the SJ Network. And welcome again to Foul Players Radio. My name is Michael Spedden, and tonight's guest is Kelly Jean Grant. Kelly is currently in the cast of Broadway's Phantom of the Opera, playing the part of Madame Jury, and she's been a member of that cast since 2011. Prior to that, was on the national tour of Phantom from 2007 until 2010. She's also appeared in the John Doyle Broadway revival of Company in 2006 and 2007, and has some television credits, including Blacklist and HBO's Crashing. She shared lots of great stories of her other experiences in theater on Broadway and London and regional theater, and tells a great story about how she found out the best thing for a headache is not aspirin nor Tylenol, but it's actually Chloris Leachman. Stick around to hear this story folks. It's great and I had a great time talking to Kelly today. She's just a wonderful lady. Lots of great stories and just a great person. So stick around. You can hear Foul Players Radio on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pocket Cast, Castro, Castbox, Overcast also on Podchaser, and also Stitcher and Spotify. So make sure when you visit these sites, leave us a nice five-star review and send a friend. We'll be back with Kelly Jean Grant right after these words.
1: Are you looking for a -a one-of-a-kind gift this holiday season, or is your decor just missing something? How about a flatfish? What's a flatfish? Blue Earth Works, a pottery studio based in Wilmington, North Carolina, produces flatfish along with other handmade, functional, and sculptural pottery. Each piece is handmade, so everyone is unique and a little surprising. Remember, if you're able, please support a small business this holiday season. Shop online at blueearthworks.etsy.com. Or if you're in Maryland, head on over to Kathy's Corner Shop in Northeast Maryland at 100 South Main Street and ask to see The Flatfish by Chaz. They'll know what you mean. Hey, what's up? This is Christopher Stolle
2: of Realm of the Mist Entertainment. The podcast you are listening to is part of the SJ Network. Go to sj dash network.com that's s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and information on those shows as well as information and ability to contact publicist steve joiner for more information just go to the website and check out the family ladies and gentlemen until then enjoy the show
3: Hey, everybody. It's John Orlando from the Cast. Are you wondering where you can find my podcast? Well, it's real simple. Just go over to pbdcast.com, the online home of yours truly, or it's available through all of those major podcasting platforms. Just search for it in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio app. And don't forget that every single Monday night at 8 o'clock, I do a live broadcast of the week's episode of the Cast through the Facebook page. Just go over to Facebook.com and search for at PBDCast and join me every Monday night at 8 p.m. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to get on out of here. So I'll chat at each and every one of you later.
0: So, Kelly Jean Grant, welcome to Foul Players Radio. I've been looking forward to talking to you. I've been very excited about this for a while since uh, Satomi kind of introduced me to you, your co-star there in Phantom. So, welcome (laughs) to the show. It's great to talk to you.
4: Uh, Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on.
0: Oh, absolutely. We're glad to have you here. And there's just so many things that we want to ask about here, because I was just looking at the uh, resume, or the kind of the resume that you sent me here, and... There's so many interesting things on here. I just can't even decide where I want to start here. So um, I know, you know, right now, you know, because of the damn COVID and we're all hurting because of that, you know, uh, Phantom is kind of dark at the moment, the uh, (laughs) Majestic up in New York where the show is going on, I believe. But you've been with that show for a good while now. Tell us about how you, I guess maybe if you want to start with how you got in, because I'm sure that the uh, audition and vetting process to get into a Broadway show is just sick.
4: Oh, it's, it, it took years and years and years. Um, Mm -hmm. I auditioned for Phantom along with a whole bunch of other, uh, musicals that I, and, and straight and theater with no, no music, you know, regular, regular shows. Mm -hmm. Um, let's say, um, and I had been auditioning for years actually. And, uh, they kept bringing me back in. So I was on what they call the short list, Mm -hmm. uh, for, for phantom. And for years and years, I was on the list for Christine. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had, I would come in and I would sing the the think of me material. And I always saw it's, it's interesting because I got to know a lot of other Christine's in that process over the Mm -hmm. years, because we all would come in at the same frequency. Mm -hmm. Um, so we'd come in for the casting director, we'd sing Think of Me, we'd give them our high C, we'd, you know, we'd we'd sing the the title tune, a little bit of the title tune just to see if we had the notes. Um, and then um, sometimes there were there were dance calls involved um, if you got far enough along in the process, but most often they just kept checking to see if you could stay on the short list. And then once in a while I would get closer. Um, they would have an opening, uh, so rather than a required, uh, in addition to just the required call, there was, there was actually job availability and that's when they would start doing multiple callbacks in each, um, for each of these auditions. So this took years and years and years. Uh, and eventually, eventually get this, they figured they had seen me enough times that I probably wasn't a Christine anymore. (laughs) Um, so, so I started, uh, auditioning instead uh, I came in and started auditioning for uh, Giri, oh. Madam Giri, um, and uh, and uh, I ended up. They ended up of, sort of looking at me for that that role as well. And I got out to one of the tours. They actually hired me as a Giri cover mm-hmm. initially for the road. And I got out uh, to the road to the road company, and I started learning the music. And the music director listened to me singing and said, you know, could could you sing some of the pristine material? <laughs> so we kind of went, we went, I went at it as sort of back channel. So jobs shift a lot when you go out into a road company. Mm-hmm. They hired me initially for the road, and I spent three years out there with the national tour first, um, when I was finally hired in 2007, the year 2007. And uh, lo and behold, the jobs shifted, and there was a job opening uh, that allowed me to shift over from being a jury cover to being a Christine cover. And that's how I started. And then the job shifted again about less than six months after that. And I found myself as the Christine alternate. Oh. So I actually moved into the role of Christine uh, surreptitiously. Maybe I'm using that word right <laughs> uh, And it's sort of circuitous route. I took a little roundabout route to get there eventually, but I did eventually get to play the role, sort of pinch me kind of thing. Cause Christine has always been a dream role of mine.
5: Sure. Um,
4: you know, I was like one of those kids that like sang Christine into a hairbrush in my basement. I would <laughs> yeah. sing along with Sarah Bright, you know, like Brightman mm-hmm. on the soundtrack, and so yeah. So I always would ha- dreamed of playing that role, and so I really uh, sort of came about it in a strange way, but um, it was a just dream come true in in every way possible you could think of because I I really had a great time. It was such a gift.
0: I can imagine. I mean, that is just. I mean, when you're. I mean, mean, truly, I think Broadway is our elite. That is just an elite, elite, um, you know, group of people to be performing with, you know, when you're performing at that level, um, you know, and, and to be able to stick with the show for this amount of time, you know, it says that you've been on the Broadway cast since 2011. Yes, uh, that's true. You you were out touring for a number of years and, um, I mean, that's just got to be something else to, you know, to be able to do that, you know, for such a long time. Cause I'm yeah. sure, you know, um, every performance you do, and I'm sure you're performing about eight, eight shows a week. Is that correct?
4: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And actually the, the longevity of being able to be in the show that long has, uh, my, my very specific job in mm-hmm. the show has really helped me keep it fresh. Let's say, mm-hmm. um, uh, we, you know, as I'm sure a lot of the people that you interview say, one of the toughest jobs that we have as actors, especially on Broadway or in a long running show like Phantom, is try, how do you keep that fresh? That's often I get asked that question when I do Q&A's and things like that for yeah, people yeah. who are up and coming uh, musical theater, um, people who intend to work in music theater. Um, you know, how do you keep it fresh? It's it's constantly... Uh, uh, it's the same thing night after night, the same costumes, et cetera. Um, I'm a little bit lucky in that I get a really unusual job that I do in phantom. So when I joined the Broadway company, after our tour closed, which closed at the Pantages in LA in 2010, and I joined the Broadway company in 2011. Now there was no Christine, there was no room in the Christine department, let's say (laughs) at the majestic at that time. Uh, so I started as a kind of a temp, uh, we call them vacation swings. Uh, so I started learning uh, ensemble, female ensemble roles. Oh sure. In in the ensemble at, at the Majestic, and then I slowly but surely learned all the female roles in the show. Oh.
0: Okay.
4: This turned me into a swing. However, uh, when I became permanent, they gave me a track of my very own. They call them tracks because they sort of knit all the ensemble bits together, and then one person represents a track, which is that this these six characters are played by, Elizabeth say, Mm -hmm. and these five characters are played by Satomi and you know, whatever. So each of us have a job there. So I learned all of the tracks, let's say, Mm -hmm. uh, in the ensemble. Um, and then they also did eventually make me a jury cover. So that's what I, my job, although one of those tracks is my own. So I do get to be on stage, but I am also what they call an internal swing. Now that keeps it fresh Mm because sometimes what I have to do is Knit those tracks together, so and do two or three people at a time.
0: Oh yeah, so I've in one that.
4: performance, mm-hmm. so one show, I'm playing three, two to three different roles. My record is four. Oh wow, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've done four people at the same time. Hmm. Um, so that, but that's um, that was on a sort of you know, depending on how many people are missing, how mm-hmm. many people are out, uh, it's part of my job to cover those people. Hmm. So I can do my role along with multiple other people.
0: Wow, that's interesting. That's really interesting. I, I've done that before myself, played different parts in different, um, in some of the theaters that I've worked in, you know, in you know, my neck of the woods. And yeah, yeah, sometimes, it you know, it calls for some quick costume changes, you know, in and out real quick. You got to run backstage. It's almost like, um, I mean, to go backstage and change, it's almost like running into a phone booth like Superman and, and coming out. <laughs>
4: That's a good analogy. I once told somebody they they're t- talking about quick changes. It seems like it. I likened it to a NASCAR pit crew.
0: Yeah, yeah, where exactly. Would run in
4: there and they would take your bolts off. Zzz, 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 yep, <laughs> and they push you back out on stage in the right costume. Yep, it's it, it's pretty pretty fun and fast paced and very exciting.
0: That's pretty fun. You know, I, one of the theaters that I performed in had a version of Phantom that was actually written before Andrew Lloyd Webber did it. This, this one goes way back and, oh. um, you know, the, the story's roughly the same, roughly the same characters, but just, it was different music in it. And was it there, there was, uh, what's that?
4: What is, was it the Yeston Culpit?
0: No, version? no, it was actually one that was original, okay. um, by oh, the oh. folks that ran the theater that I was doing it in. And, um, it was funny because, uh, I had to help the Phantom change, because there was the Red Death scene, you know, and yes. he comes out in a skeleton mask. Well, it was pitch black backstage, and we were doing the best we could, and um, it turned out when we sent him out, his, um, instead of the ma- the skeleton mask being all the way over his face, his eyes were looking out the mouth, and it looked like the face was looking up. <laughs>
4: Oh, so he dear. comes walking
0: out on stage like like he's looking up, and and so the rest of the company sees him come out and he's looking up. Then everybody else stops and looks at him and looks up too. So the whole stage is looking up. And oh, oh no, we'll get to those moments a little bit later on here. But um, <laughs> you know, that was just one I wanted to share. But that 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 really is um, that's a lot to do and it's a lot to remember. You got to make sure and. I'm one of those people who I'm always checking for my car keys and my phone and my wallet. I can just imagine how you, know, you got to think about it. if you got to play a couple of characters, okay, this costume is over on this side of the stage. I know I've got the hat, the jacket, the shirt, the tie, the got to put on, <laughs> and I know it's all there. And I would, before the show, I would be walking over to check it like five times just to, because it would uh, drive me nuts if I didn't, you know,
4: that's a good policy. <laughs>
0: And, uh, yeah, so, um, I could just imagine that that's gotta be nerve wracking. And then there's always like the thought in the back of your head, like, did I remember to put that there or did so-and-so, oh, I hope so-and-so didn't forget to put that there. I guess if you have people that do it, um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that's, um, but that's really something you know, remembering all those parts and knowing them, but I'm sure, you know, performing it as much as you had, you could probably say the whole show by heart, pretty much everybody's (laughs) lines, couldn't you?
4: Yeah, pretty much. Um, I, I think you know the females in the show uh, have have different uh, responsibilities than than the males. Uh, Phantom written at a time when there are a lot of roles, speaking roles, a lot more speaking roles for men in the ensemble. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are several ladies that have some challenges. You know, have their own t- their tracks have their own challenges, like quick makeup changes. Mm-hmm. Satomi's track has a has a full face makeup change into white face. Right, like uh, if you think like Mozart, they look like um, uh, if you think back to, like to the movie Amadeus, uh-huh. they have uh, that kind of thing. So I had to learn her makeup track as well.
0: Oh sure, um,
4: things like that, you know. So each one of them has a little bit. There's a little, Elizabeth Welch has a little more dancing in her track. She's a little more movement. So depending on which track you're covering, and then uh, but what I don't don't do in the show is I don't cover any of the the ballerinas, any of the dancers mm-hmm. that. Um, so I am I am not a a prima ballerina. That's for sure. Um, so, so mostly I cover what they call the singer women tracks and I also cover, um, Madam Jerry. So I've had a pleasure to do that sometimes too.
0: Oh, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, um, boy, I I tell you, I I bet you really get, you know, I mean, a lot of people love that show and I bet, (laughs) you know, it's constantly, you know, you know, very little empty seats you're looking at out in the crowd, I yep. guess. You know. We're
4: call, we call it timeless. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. Mes- the message of that show is, t- is timeless because mm-hmm. who hasn't felt like an outcast at certain points in their lives? Who hasn't experienced, you know, uh, we've all experienced... The idea of, you know, being shunned because we're different or, you know, this, this, that or the other thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've all experienced, of course, the power of love and loss and all of those things. So they're they're really universal themes Mm -hmm. um, that the show is is based on. So I think that's maybe that's explained part of the popularity. Uh Uh-huh. and why it's gonna hopefully make it through this whole COVID thing. Um, we're yeah. we're we're looking forward to coming out on the other end. The producers are extremely committed to coming back mm-hmm. to our sweet little home at the Majestic Theater. So we're we're looking forward to it. Oh. And I know I know Andrew uh, Lloyd Webber is also you know he's been very verbal on social media about. About and his commitment to bringing it back to Broadway. So oh, we are you, looking forward to reopening.
0: Oh, I, I, I really think things are going to come back with a vengeance, and it's going to be like a yeah. next the the next Renaissance. I think you can't keep <laughs> you can't keep created people creative people cooped up for that long, and not have oh, yeah. just. Sparks flying at the end, you know, when they for finally sure. get out there, you know. So, um, yeah. I'm hoping all the best for you all because I know you guys have really gotten hit hard, you know. Um, sure. you know, me, um, you know, even though you know I haven't been able to do the murder mysteries and I've only booked like one small job as a professional actor this year, I did take the best advice I ever got in show business, and that was don't quit your day job. And- <laughs> Um, and I, so I still have that and I still work a job as well as, you know, doing all these things. But, um, you know, I really think that people are, um, I really think that things are going to come back like crazy and I really think it's going to be huge. And not only for the people creating things, I think the audiences are going to love it because they've been cooped up and not been able to go out too, um, so many people are just dying to get out. And I think that's really part of our problem as well. You know, people just can't socialize and be entertained and get out and do things. And I think people are trying to push it sometimes and uh, they're trying to get out there a little earlier than they should. And um, unfortunately people are getting exposed and we're kind of hitting stumbling blocks with that. But um, let's keep our fingers crossed. Let's just keep our fingers crossed, you know?
4: Yeah, we're all hoping for the best and I, it may trickle back in. You know, we may have to start a little bit slow with fewer shows mm-hmm. uh, to try and compile the audience into smaller groups. But, you know, or, or spread it out. Um, There's been a bunch of, you know, different theories as to how this is going to go. But, I you know, I think they are, you know, uh, hoping to I think they are or were so selling tickets Um into the fall of 2021, mm-hmm. um, so I'm not sure our date right now, as per the the official date get, as given to us uh, by the Broadway Theater League, was uh, May 30th. Okay. So basically, basically the first of June. Um, mm-hmm. So we're really crossing fingers and hoping for the best for next summer, maybe.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Sure. Uh, it'll be great. I tell you, and I bet it will feel. <laughs> Feel great to be back in there and up on stage and everything, too, you know.
4: Yes, definitely.
0: So looking back at some of the other things you've told me that you've done, um, Mm you know, you have, uh, you were in the John Doyle Broadway revival of Company uh, before you got into Phantom. Tell us a bit about that.
4: Oh, my gosh. Well, um, one of the most amazing creative processes uh, processes, processes of my, excuse me, of my career, probably, Mm -hmm. um, simply because it was so different. John Doyle, um, for a lot of folks will be familiar, but just for those listening that wouldn't be, um, John Doyle is the guy who does a lot of those. He became really well known for doing those, um, actor musician shows. So the actors in the performance also play multiple musical instruments, um, throughout the, the, uh, the show. So they serve as the characters in the show. Oh. So it's essentially a musical with no orchestra. Oh, okay. The, un- the unique thing about this show, uh, about these shows. And it was originally done the first bra. I want to say the first Broadway that he did. I hope I'm saying this right. I hope this is correct. Uh, that I know of was Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. And then after they did a version of Sweeney Todd like this uh, with Patty LuPone playing the tuba, among other things. Um, and I believe, uh, Michael Cerberus was, uh, was the Todd in that one. And he was, he also played multiple instruments. Hmm. Um, so that was the idea. Uh, eventually the tough thing about casting a show like that is that you have to include enough people that can play all of the instruments or Mm -hmm. else you're missing a section of orchestra. Oh Um, So, and, uh, the other hardest thing about that kind of casting is finding people with all of the chops and then also finding understudies Mm -hmm. who can not only play the roles, but play the instruments. So there's a very, very unique vetting process, audition process that went into that whole thing. It was probably the most difficult, intricate Mm. audition process I've ever seen or been a part of. Oh, I bet. Um, and then on top of that, I don't want to forget telling you about recording the cast album because that is a was a crazy experience as well. Um, the the audition process, this was back in 2005, four, five. <laughs> uh, let's say. Uh, we uh, we workshopped the show out of town at Cincinnati Playhouse, the playhouse in the park there in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um So that's actually where the show birth was birthed kind of in a different incarnation. Um, so we all headed down there after being cast in New York. Um, we were initially, uh, the, the process it's crazy. Like if you can picture one of these, I know you've been to them, these audition studios, like Mm -hmm. a studio, like, um, uh, in New York, we have these rooms that people rent out or large, you know, like dance spaces or things like that. Uh, Bernie Telsey casting has them. Um, and we all pulled into the casting office. Some people, I remember watching somebody with a shopping cart full of instruments. I'm not kidding you. (laughs) So these, are the craziest, like most talented people you've ever seen in your life Mm -hmm. carting. And I don't mean they can play a couple notes on the clarinet. I mean, these are players. Oh yeah. Like people who did like have been playing their whole lives. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just some folk just never gave up. You know, everybody plays an instrument in school. You know, maybe you were part of band Mm -hmm. or, you know, you you orchestra or something in your middle school or your high school. Some people keep it up and some people let it go. Now the instruments I have let go over my lifetime, I, I, I've been kind of sad about that Mm -hmm. actually, because it, brings you know great joy to your life whether you're going to use them in a musical but who knew you were going to try to sing and play the flute at the same time oh yeah that's um that's a little complicated you know because you need your mouth for both of those things so um
0: (laughs) you sure do (laughs) as
4: as as and i always felt bad in these shows for the string players because they always had their mouth Mm. So they really had to multitask because I could stop playing. I was a woodwind player. Mm-hmm. Um, so I played uh two different kinds of saxophone and the flute. Oh. And uh and then one of my saxophones, the, the tenor sax was cut kind of early on in the process. Mm. And as we finished, uh the finished product ended up with me just on the flute and the mm-hmm. sax and the alto sax. Oh. Um but, of uh, many, many different combinations. There was a gal playing both the oboe and the tuba. Uh, <laughs> that was the April, the the Barcelona character in the show. So it was people coming in with suitcases and shopping carts and backpacks of guitars and uh, French horns. And I mean, like you've never seen this many instruments in one room. Mm-hmm. Um, incredibly talented. And we were all required in this we're in this, um, audition process to play the instrument first.
2: Oh, okay. So
4: first and foremost, they needed to know if you were proficient enough on your instrument to actually do this for real. And then the, the step two was to have you sing and, and, or sing and play. Uh, one of the things I did was, was, uh, was both. Well, I, I was trying to show that I could sing and play. So, um, Uh, for instance i i've used uh the song bewitched Mm -hmm. and sing a phrase and play my own saxophone fills in between singing so it's (laughs) i tell you there's some in rehearsing or practicing for something like this there are an awful lot of dented teeth i can't believe my (laughs) front teeth are still intact after all the times i whacked myself trying to get the the mouthpiece in and out fast enough. Um, <laughs> but it, it is, it is a pretty bizarre process. Um, and then also John Doyle is really specific about the kind of actors that he uses. Um, so we really were grilled right and left on our scene work. Um, Ability to tell a story was paramount of importance. And in this kind of musical, when you're playing, you're you're not just playing. You're never just accompanying someone. Mm-hmm. The concept behind this was that the, the musical lines and the instruments were also the person talking. So, oh. for instance, my ca- character was Kathy. Um, and she is maybe the girlfriend. Some people would say that she's the girlfriend that Bobby should have married in the storyline. So Bobby has three girlfriends and I was one of the girlfriends. Um, And so she often has, you know, romantic or sympathetic lines that she's played back to, back to him. And the real genius behind this whole process was Mary Mitchell Campbell. Mary Mitchell Campbell did the orchestrations Mm -hmm. for this particular piece. And it was her vision that when, she orchestrated it so that each instrument that was being played on a counter line or a counter melody in the orchestra was also the person adding something to the scene that was being underscored.
0: Oh, okay. So
4: when Harry, for instance, uh, the couple is Sarah and Harry are the, the couple that are, they call them the karate couple in the (laughs) story. If you're familiar with Sondheim's company, Uh um, so Harry is singing his verse of sorry, grateful. The solo is given to the flute, uh, flute one, which was the the gal who is playing Sarah. So as he's singing to her and about her, she is accompanying him and John staged it. uh, John Doyle staged it so that she was, she did a, a slow pass that was more visible so that we saw her in his subconscious adding to the, you know, informing the action of the scene, which is really—I mean—that's complicated. If you're thinking about how many layers that has to have in terms of orchestration, so Mary Mitchell Campbell and John Doyle were both were both instrumental in making that piece speak.
0: Mm, yeah, wow, that's <laughs> that's something else with uh, you know, just doing that with the instruments and everything. I mean, I can imagine how. I mean, I mean again, that's got to be a hell of an audition process to get into something like <laughs> it that. It sure too. was. You know who I think would be good in a part like that, though, is our friend, uh, Satomi. That sounds oh, like yeah. something right up her alley, because I think she plays you about bet. 436 instruments. <laughs> and um, She does. <laughs> she does. She's she does. great. And, um, you know, I, I, I've done a little bit of that. Um, I, when I was in Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, um, the part right after they found Joseph dead, One More Angel in Heaven, um, I brought my harmonica out, and... Um, during the instrumental part to that song, it was like, a you know, the singing and then like the dance number where they were really, you know, jamming out. I brought the harp out and I was playing along with that and that turned out real nice. And, uh, oh, the,
4: see, so you know what this is all about. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But not <laughs> but not two or three instruments. Yeah, I play guitar, bass, and harmonica. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the thing that's weird about that is I can sing a song, I can put a harmonica on and I can play guitar just fine, but I can't play bass and sing. It's weird. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
4: well, they put a wheel on our bass. We had a, a gal playing the the uh, stand up. We had actually two oh wow. two different people two different people playing the acoustic bass. Oh wow like yeah. acoustic, like the, uh-huh. the, the, the real like a stand up bass. Uh-huh. Um and it it had a a wheel installed on its peg oh, so sure. that you could wheel it around the stage uh-huh. while holding its neck playing notes. Right. So you're playing and accompanying. And at some point in, I think, I think in the song Side by Side, Lenya, right out, who was our incredible Jenny. She played the role of Jenny in this show, mm-hmm. um, had to wheel it around the stage while in high heels and a skirt mm-hmm. while doing um, sort of like sailor kicks. It looked like <laughs> um, it's like tap dancing, basically pushing the bass while playing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, her poor hand. I mean, she was—you know—it was—it was unbelievable the things, the things you you saw people do. I remember John asking me. He said, "Well, first of all, if you've got a gob, you've got to use it." You know, his British—I'm doing terrible the British accent. But he, <laughs> he's so those people who played stringed instruments always right. had their mouth free, so they were singing mm-hmm. the whole time. So um, so unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, but unfortunately, you know, they had to really split their focus, mm-hmm. whereas I had to you know, play eight bars, sing 16 bars, play two bars, sing four bars. So you memorized your musical instrument lines along with your mm-hmm. along with your spoken and sung lines. But I remember him first saying I said, but but, John, my my flute is on the other side of the stage. I'm playing sax right now. Can, can I could I just run over and get it? No okay, well, could I have a bag hanging on me? Maybe a satchel or something I could put my flute in. He said, nope. And then he looked at me and he said, could you play that that saxophone with a flute in your armpit? Could you have it on you? And I looked at him and I went, well, let's give it a try. <laughs> so it was one of those things we always said, the The cast members in that show always said, "Like it's like if John... If John Doyle asked you if you could fly, you would jump off a building and try.
0: Right, know? right. <laughs>
4: so there is nothing that we wouldn't try at least once to see if it was physically, humanly possible.
0: Right, And right.
4: so we found we could do all kinds of things. That's where the stand-up, the base with the wheel on it came from. Mm-hmm. And that's where I remember once uh, in, I think, I actually think it was um, Being Alive, I think it was the last number of the show, We were sitting on these glass sort of plexiglass stools spinning Mm -hmm. in the background Um, and we were spinning around on the stool. And I have figured out that I had to spin, dismount the stool, clip on my saxophone into its neck, unclip my saxophone with one hand (laughs) while playing the flute with the other hand, put it on its stand (laughs) and get my right hand back before I needed a note that was lower than G. Oh, because in order to play an F, I need my right hand.
0: Oh, right, Real on the flute. Sure. So
4: oh. it was, it was ridiculous. This is what I'm talking about. So it's mm. movement, stage movement, some sort of dancing. You know, I mean, there was choreography to this thing, um, but it, it, it that all had to take place while doing, you know, six other things. So it's the ultimate of like. Pat your head, rub your
0: belly. (laughs) That's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like. Well, uh, Kelly, we're going to have to take a short break here. Uh, We have a couple of uh, ads to run real quick. And um, we're listening to Kelly Jean Grant here on Foul Players Radio. Stick around. We'll be back right after these words.
1: The holidays are here. And we have a fantastic gift idea. Foul Players Radio guest Barbara Bustard has just released a book. It's called The Art of Healing. 12 Step-by-Step Meditative Art Exercises for Improved Physical, Mental, and Spiritual Well-Being. Art offers a way to process all that we experience in life. Joy, sadness, excitement, anger, and everything in between. Art allows us to work through the stress that underlies all disease. The meditative exercises in this book are enjoyable and engaging, They are described in a very simple, clearly articulated manner and are appropriate for any level of artistic experience. It's available on Amazon for $29 and has gotten many positive reviews. Again, the title of the book is The Art of Healing, 12 Step-by-Step Meditative Art Exercises for Improved Physical, Mental, and Spiritual Well-Being by Barbara Bustard. Pick up your copy today.
2: Hey, what's up, guys? This is Chris Ristali of Breaking the Fourth Wall. If you enjoy our show, you can find it on YouTube. Just look up Realm of the Mist Entertainment or just look up Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. And also, you can find us on all the social medias. Just look for Realm of the Mist Entertainment. And I will catch you on the other side.
3: I'm Michael, the host of the semi-monthly podcast In a City Like Yours. Join me as I chat with interesting people with interesting life stories. You can listen to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can follow us on Twitter at IACLYSPodcast, as well as on Facebook and Instagram at In a City Like Yours Podcast. Please feel free to let me know what you think and keep coming back for the many interesting stories in a city like yours.
0: Hey, this is Don Smith from The Life Radio Show. If you've always wanted to learn more about the world of low-budget filmmaking and even lower-budget comedy, tune into to The Life Radio Show. You can live stream the show at wwsu 1069org on Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Or find us wherever you find podcasts. And like and follow the Life Radio Show on Facebook for live video and other shenanigans.
2: j-network.com for more great podcasts and information on those shows as well as information and ability to contact publicist steve joiner for more information just go to the website and check out the family ladies and gentlemen until then enjoy the show
0: and we're back and we're back so uh you know uh, kelly you know you You've been telling me a lot of great stories here. Um, you, you were just telling me some stuff during the break about some regional theater that you did. And um, a part that, yeah, you know, I, I think everybody went and saw this at some theater, you know, the live theatrical production as we were when we were children. I think I saw it with Sandy Duncan. And that mm-hmm. was Peter Pan. And you actually played Peter Pan, didn't I you?
4: I did, yep. Um, this was a uh, back in my regional days. So, so before... Before all of the Broadway stuff, you know, everybody works pretty hard and they, they call it in the business, they call it paying your dues. So, uh, we, we all, and I got a chance to work at some pretty awesome regional theaters doing roles. The cool thing about regional theater in terms of a Broadway track, like if you're moving up through, um, through, you know, you're, you're singing and dancing in school and you're doing school productions and then you start doing community productions or whatever, um, you work up and they call it paying your dues. Oh yeah. So. Uh, you know, you know what I'm talking about. So everybody's been there. We've, you know, we've all like, you know, been third spear holder to the left or, you know, painted the scenery or, you know, uh, what we, those are the, the gigs and the jobs that we do up all the way through. And, and they're wonderful. They give us the experience that we need to be, be Broadway professionals eventually, or to continue enjoying our work and our, practice of the art of musical theater Mm -hmm. so uh one of the gigs that i got to do is a regional production of peter pan um which i will just say is the best curtain call in all of musical theater (laughs) it is the best curtain call you will ever take if you're playing the role of pan because you do it on a wire that's and uh you are thrown in 25 feet into the air so the (laughs) the curtains to the you know the little uh shutters to the nursery on the set blow open, right? And you're shot twenty-five feet in the air with in a little arabesque, right? With fists full of pixie dust, which you throw all over the audience. And then they land you in the in down center, down center stage and that's your bow. It's pretty awesome. I mean it's it's really fun. Um so I will say regional or otherwise, um uh that is one of the roles that I was privileged to play. Uh, in a theater in West Virginia at that time. So I've moved around the country a lot during my coming up years, let's call them, um, paying my dues and doing kind roles, incredible roles that I, I may or may not ever have had the opportunity to do, mm-hmm. um, on Broadway or in a, a larger house or a larger scale. Um, so I have, you know, done a ton of, uh, roles like this, like Peter Pan in smaller theaters, um, that have really informed my work since then. So I, I feel very, very lucky, uh, to have worked so much and to have gotten to do these roles, um, on a smaller scale. But Peter, Peter was, dead. I mean, what's more fun than playing an eight year old boy.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And getting to, <laughs> getting to fly around and everything too. That's gotta be kind of yeah. cool. That's gotta be kind of cool. I, uh, yeah. you know, I, 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 uh, I could imagine, um, when you're doing that, that whoever's lifting you up in the air has got to have good aim. Cause don't you like fly into windows and stuff too? Or?
4: <laughs> you do. You fly back and forth on the, on the set. Um, we, uh, a regional theater does less flying over the audience for liability oh, reasons. I'm sure <laughs> you, you would know, but, uh, but, are, they fly you all around the set. So I was mm-hmm. very generous to the individual who was responsible for my little FOI unit backstage. There was a one fella who just blew me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was his whole job. And boy, I was very grateful to him. Uh, so I treated him quite well throughout the, the run of the show. Um, you know, but, all of his favorite things and you know (laughs) it was very kind (laughs) um uh, among other things you know every everybody who works in show business knows that that lighting costumes set all of the people who work on the crew and are supporting you are incredibly important and they can make you look very good or very bad oh (laughs) yeah yeah so uh they have an enormous amount of power and incredible amount of importance they work very hard um sometimes unsung heroes mm-hmm. of the theater and so uh, I'm always been very grateful to to the folks that work on our crews in in all of the productions that I've had a privilege to work on
0: that's wild I mean I, I could just imagine um <laughs> you know just you know you're you're flying. You you're you're trying to aim yourself for the window or whatever. You end up smacking the wall next to it like a cartoon <laughs> or something.
4: It does. You know you're scree- you're you're singing. You know you're belting out. and I'm flying, and then you come a little too close to that fireplace. Um, yeah, boom. Uh, so <laughs> there ha- there were some definitely some some times when I was. Um, I was wallpaper. Um, there were a few incidents <laughs> where I, I, you had to keep your composure. Where I was supposed to land on things and didn't quite make it. Um, so uh, you know, would drag a foot across the floor—that's not supposed to happen. Um, but a lot of fun. A- also, a lot of fun. I, I fortunately, Knockwood was never hurt too badly. Um, but in the re- in a regional production, you have to put up very quickly. Um, so I had about seventy-two hours to l- in the harness to learn how to fly. And I also, because of our Captain Hook, had to learn to fence. That's with a rapier mm-hmm. on my with my left hand, and oh. I am right-handed, oh, really boy. right-handed. So um, the, I think we're fortunate that there were as few um, foibles as there were because um, I could have really hurt somebody. I think.
2: Oh, I'm <laughs> so sure. They,
0: I'm sure they were dull
4: wrapped blades, but um, but oh my gosh, you know there was. You, you don't want to take one of those the wrong way. So. Um,
0: oh yeah. Well, they're flying while sure, fencing—that's
4: a—that's a skill I never thought I'd be able to put on my resume. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> that's great. That's great. And you said um, you worked with Cloris Leachman in one of those. Was that it?
4: <laughs> well, she was in a regional theater. Um, she actually was attached to the production. I did the um, the revival production of Hal Prince's Showboat. Um, so I was um, a cover and in the ensemble, but I covered the role of Magnolia, which is kind of like it's kind of like the Christine. Mm-hmm. Of of Showboat, but I was the co- I was one of the covers. Oh, you did say um,
0: Showboat. That's right. I'm sorry.
4: Yeah, and that's okay. <laughs> I and I did it on the road. Uh, I was in multiple different companies on the on in the national tour as well as the Chicago company mm-hmm. um, before we began touring, and then also I was eventually moved into the London company. Oh, okay. um, And that that Parthy, the the woman that played the the same role as Cloris Leachman there was Carol Shelley, the late Carol Shelley, who was uh, just a dear, um, just a dear heart. I I can't say enough wonderful things about her, my experience working with her. Um, But we had a ton of um, the Captain Andy and Parthy roles in that show. They're sort of a ma and pa kettle Mm -hmm. type. Um, They're the they're the parents of. Magnolia. If you're not familiar with the show, um, Captain Andy and his wife Parthy are uh, are the ones that are are Magnolia's parents. And um, so my the story um, the story goes that uh, one of the companies that I went into, one of the national tours that I joined, had Cloris Leachman playing Parthy. Uh, so I did have the privilege of playing her daughter in many in several productions hmm. uh, because I did go on and do the role, and I was fortunate enough to do the role quite a bit. Um, so I did get to work with her, but my favorite thing about Chloris was the first night I'm coming into a new company. I was being transferred Mm -hmm. from one of the other national tours and I was getting the lay of the land, trying to figure out what was different about this company. Um, and so I'm backstage with my clipboard running around and, uh, the stage managers keep like Okay, I don't think I'm I'm speaking ill when I say this. One of the things they do is keep around pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. Not illegal pharmaceuticals, but right. the regular kind. So Tylenol, Advil, you know, your tums, your whatever. So they've got a little first aid kit backstage. Sure. I'm just souping around in it because as I'm casing the joint and watching the production (laughs) in order to, to re-rehearse and go into it, I'm looking around and I, I, I'm looking for some Tylenol. I had a pretty good size headache going. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm looking for some Tylenol and I look down the hall and somebody's going, don't do that. Someone screams at me and I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hello. Anybody there? I look down the hall. Here's Cloris Leachman half dressed, right? (laughs) She's got, She's she's in her like period underwear, which were like bloomers and a corset. So she wasn't naked or anything, but it was oh. a pretty odd sight. And she was kind of out of her wig and just wandering around with no top on, essentially, um, and in her little bloomer pants. And she said, "What are you looking for?" And I said, "Well, uh, uh hi, uh, Miss Le- Leachman. I'm Kelly. Nice to m- meet you. You know, I'm you're staggering through because you know who she is, and she's never met you before." Um, but she, it was so hilarious because she, she apparently is extremely anti, anti drugs in oh, any sure. form. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'm looking for some Tylenol. I've got a really bad headache right now. And she said, come here, come here. And she looked at her, a dresser, uh, who was responsible. And she said, we got time, right? And the dressers like, oh, it's up to you, Miss Leachman. And she pulled me into her dressing room. I'd never met her before in my life. And she sat me down <laughs> and and as I'm sitting there, she jumps up on the bench, puts her legs on either side of me, and starts grabbing me in her uh, right underwear, kind of had my head between her knees. <laughs> I don't, I'm don't. i not describing this very well, but it mm-hmm. was a little disorienting, and I'm thinking, okay, listen, guys, it's Cloris Lichman. I'm not going to say anything, but this is the, one of the stranger things that's ever happened to me. <laughs> um and she starts pulling my head away from my shoulders, like straightening out my neck mm-hmm. in a sort of chiropractic move that mm-hmm. I can't describe very well. Sort of pinching my head between her knees right. um, and lifting with her uh, fingers sort of under my chin. Mm-hmm. Um, it was transformative, I must say. And in about two, three minutes, we were, we were, she was, you know talking, you know, to me saying, relax, relax. I'm thinking this is the most unrelaxed I've been ever. (laughs) So I I, I have no idea what's going on. I I, I'm brand new. I don't know anybody here. Um, and Cloris Leachman has my head between her knees and she's in her underwear. (laughs) So I, I sort of just went with the flow and, and she let me go and said, well, I got to get dressed now. How do you feel? And I, and I thought for a second, I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. My headache is gone. It's gone. So to this day, I have no idea what she did to me, mm-hmm. but it was, it was transformative. It was pretty magical. And, um, that was my story of meeting Cloris Leachman for the first time.
0: Wonderful. Wow. that's yeah. <laughs> That's pretty wild. That's pretty wild. She's <laughs> yeah, a whiz. She's
4: a she's a crazy, amazing lady. what? Oh, she's, she's pretty. She was pretty incredible. I
0: hear I've heard that about her. I, uh, you know, everybody yeah. that I've heard of that have worked with her said they always really liked her. You know, and I listened to a lot of interviews. You know, like this. You know, with uh, various podcasts and things like that. Now, I've always heard good things about her, and uh, yeah, you know, that's, she's amazing. Yeah, that's, just like.
4: Just like my daughter, she's a pretty spicy meatball.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> 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 that sounds like it. It sounds like mm-hmm. it. Um, let me ask you this too. Um, sure. You know, so how about um, y- you know when you you know did some work in London? Yeah. And, and things like that. you know, did you? How did you come across getting to London? You know, he- hearing about auditions. Was somebody auditioning here for those shows? Well,
4: or how did so- you? Back in the day. Well, okay. Back in the day. (laughs) So now here I start talking like an old, you know, theater, theater, uh, you know, (laughs) theater dog from, from early days. Um, the shows like large musicals, like Phantom and, um, showboat was similar to this. Um, People learned a general structure back mm-hmm. in those days. We had multiple companies moving around the country simultaneously. So there was a Broadway company
1: mm-hmm. and
4: one in Chicago and one in L.A. And those, as they closed in their various cities, they would become tours. Oh, okay. um, so we had a, a tour that moved up to uh, a company that moved to Vancouver and sat there for a while. Um, we had companies that moved all over United States and Canada mm-hmm. and um, and toured all all around the, the, the region. So, so we would have, people could be moved, uh, like I was from company to company and we would either learn new tracks or we would incorporate if the tracks, if the, the ensemble roles were different, or if, um, they had different covers, we would, uh, learn the pieces of the job we didn't know, but we could be pretty easily moved back and forth. If you were comfortable relocating, which mm-hmm. all of us were at that time, cause you know, you know how actors travel around. You know, I'm sure you too are, have been transported multiple times mm-hmm. um, throughout your career. Um, we were sort of dropped into different companies. The one that I just mentioned with Chloris was in Florida at that time, um, but what they were doing uh, was Hal Prince was opening a new company in uh, in London. So this was a revive a company that was doing the the production of the revival. So not the original, but the, the exact staging uh, that we all knew of the Hal Prince, Susan Stroman revival of that show was being dropped into the Prince Edward Theater in London. Now, we had to re-rehearse for that because the theater, the space was a lot smaller. So Stro came and redid choreography um, to accommodate the smaller stage space of the Prince Edward Theater on the West End. Um, and a lot of things had to be changed. Our sets had to be modified, of course. Um, but a lot of them were uh, just sort of rebuilt or flown over in various chunks of pieces, transported to London so that we could go in there. We rehearsed for that show with Hal and um, and Susan uh, Stroman in uh, Toronto at that time. So basically, uh, there was not a lot of audition pro- uh, process for that. We were basically, a lot of us were transferred from one of the U.S. companies. Oh, okay. So I lucked out and <laughs> very got very lucky and uh, ended up being chosen to be one of the people who, who re-rehearsed in Toronto with the original creative team and then was taken to London. Mm-hmm. And the idea was we would play London for about a year, which we did, um, and then what they wanted to do was recast the show with British actors So that each of us would have a counterpart that was British and under the jurisdiction of this was an agreement made with British equity, Hmm. which is different than American equity. It's a different union. So the idea was uh, we would play it for a year there and then they would recast and reopen as, you know, this with the same show with a British cast. So... Hmm. um, there was some, uh, uh, you know, confusion as to whether I think we were Canadian or American. I think they were more likely to let in Canadians at that time, uh, but our company was Live Ent, which was a Canadian production company that ran ran Showboat at that time. So, um, so it, it all in all, we didn't. The answer to your question is we didn't actually audition for that one. That was mostly people transferring from other U.S. companies, oh, either okay. the Broadway or from the tours, et cetera. Um, but it was thrilling to be able to put the production up again. They got a lot of the original folks back. Like I said, Carol Shelley was our party. We got um uh, Mick Bell, I think who's the Old Man River. Oh, you know right. the the song mm-hmm. that everybody knows from that show is Old Man River, mm-hmm. right? so he was he was the original the guy who uh, from that production uh, who originated the role of Joe, which oh. is the guy who sings Old Man River.
0: Yep, yeah. Uh, I used and to Greta use-
4: Boston, yeah.
0: I used to have that song in my uh, auditions uh, for ah. my uh, audition, you know, ensemble of uh, songs to do. Um, I because uh, that's my range. I'm a bass, and oh, I, uh, I sing. Awesome! I, I can do that one, and um, I'm also a barber shopper too. When I sing bass, there I'm still kind of getting the hang of that, and that's that's another thing that I do that kind of got COVIDed out this year. But uh, yeah, that's.
4: I, it, I would love. I would love to hear you sing sometime. Well that I'll, that
0: would be amazing. What's well, some great barbershop. Oh, well I'll, uh, I'll I'll see to it that you will. I'll see to it that you will <laughs> one of these days, you know. So um when you were in London, did you get a chance to like study with anybody while you were I mean, I'm sure the show kept you busy, but um you know, we're, we're everybody's always sneaking a class in here or there sometime. You know, um, I, did you have an opportunity to, or, uh...
4: I did a few, um, the, the national is there and they still have classes that run through the national theater mm-hmm. there. And so I did a few dance classes actually, um, that, that completely wiped the floor with me. Mm-hmm. I must say, cause I'm not a, I'm not a dancer with a capital D per se. I can move. Okay. For a singer, but oh my goodness, this mm-hmm. was one of the more intense dance classes I've ever taken. I had some, a few ballet classes, uh, just basic ballet Mm -hmm. classes over there that i just wanted to see how they would be Mm -hmm. um and oh my goodness that i i I have no problem my ego certainly has no problem in saying (laughs) that was in way over my head
0: (laughs) (laughs) well you know with a guy my size i'm 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 6'6 and i'm about the size of the average nfl lineman um (laughs) whenever (laughs) whenever there was a dance um I, I've done very little dancing and I've been able to get away with very little dancing. Um, usually whenever there's a dance part in a show that I've been in, I usually end up being the guy that stands in the back and just claps or uh, they find a little dance move for me to do. And I end up kind of spinning my way off stage, you know, while everybody <laughs> else dances, you know? Um,
4: I totally get it. I yeah. get
0: it. I've been <laughs> in that position many times myself. Yeah. I've got, I've got, uh, I've got uh, you know, all the coordination of a hippopotamus, I think. Yes. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of how they use me during those. But yeah, I can sing and I can act. So that's two out of, th- like they say, two out of three ain't bad, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, so gosh, um, you've been, and I, and I am going to ask you about this because I love this show. Sure. Um, you've sure. been on the Blacklist. Ah, uh,
4: yeah. Some television,
0: yes. it, it, some television work, huh?
4: Yeah, a little bit of a little bit. Um, I I had a, a, some early success in uh, commercials, so mm-hmm. I did a lot of uh, commercials. I did uh, there was one yes. out for a while that was a Subway commercial, uh, and I played a lot of um, sort of disgruntled moms <laughs> in my in my day. A lot of uh, like sort of eye rolly, uh, you know, the kind of moms that there's there's one out now that's got. I think it's got some mom wandering into I I can't even remember the product is for some car Mm -hmm. and she walks in and the the house is a zoo and like a plane flies at her head. The Christmas presents are open and there's, you know, a dog Mm -hmm. rolling into, in the wrapping paper and, you know, like, so it's pandemonium and she runs back outside the front door, closes it and then goes and sits in her car to get some peace and quiet. That's, (laughs) that's the kind of character that I'm often often required to play. So this this particular, um, so I moved from the arena of commercials. So I had you know a whole bunch of them. There was for online universities, they you know they give you some pretend children uh, in these commercials, and and sort of you have a pretend family, and and you know it's it's a lot of fun actually. Commercials can be a lot of fun. The shoots are often um, really interesting, and and uh, and you sort of meet your children and your family on the spot and say, hi, I'll be your mom for the day. Um, so there's, there's a lot of, a lot of fun working with people, other people on the shoots, um, uh, both photo shoots and commercial shoots. Uh, but I just, I I started, uh, years ago sort of inching my way into television, Mm -hmm. um, which is another great thing that actors can do. Um, if you are running a show or something, you can either take time off or you can shoot during the days, Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I managed to get myself, uh, wiggled into, uh, an episode slightly, slightly recently, I guess. Um, season, I think it's seven, Mm -hmm. season seven of the blacklist. Um, and, uh, I was shooting an episode called Dr. Lewis Powell. Um, and, uh, I was, I'm actually in the opening. Um, my husband, uh, it, I think it's it's within the first three minutes of the episode. So I, mm-hmm. I, and it's out now. It's been out for a long time. So I, I'm sure I'm not giving anything away. I mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Knock on your non-disclosure agreements. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm I'm the wife of a guy who gets shot in mm-hmm. the first. Mm, I would say like seven minutes of the episode. Um, she uncovers a, t- a videotape of him online. Um that someone emails to her of the husband strapped with a bomb on his chest, threatening with a suicide vest, wearing his, her own husband. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it speaks to, I think people have been talking a lot about this lately, the whole thing uh, that they uncovered about deep fakes Mm -hmm. that you can do with somebody's uh, Facebook profile or Instagram, or you can pretend to be someone and make them say whatever it is that you want them to say. Um, in order to make a videotape that is absolutely not true. Mm -hmm. So she believes that her husband has gotten mixed up in something. And so she calls him. And as, as I'm talking to my husband on the phone, he is surrounded by police who have also seen this tape online and believe him to be wearing a suicide vest that he's going to go into his laboratory and blow the whole thing up along with himself. Of course, he's not wearing that vest and they they shoot him dead, and um and so that's the that's the sort of setup for the for the episode. So that hmm. that wife is me in that beginning sequence.
0: Wow, that's awesome! So that, that, that's, it's a bang great. bang
4: shoot him up. It's very yeah. very exciting.
0: Yeah. Well, that's um, a good show. There is a lot of bang bang shoot him up on that show, but that is a well done show. You know, I always like James exciting. Spader. And then you did a, a episode of Crashing.
4: I did, which is a completely different animal mm-hmm. from from Blacklist. Blacklist. They're both of both of the shoots were very well organized and professional, and mm-hmm. um, everybody on the shoot seemed to, you know, really have their ducks in a row. They were very um, orga- organized, and they had everything laid out, and they they had a really specific tight calendar of how these shots were going. Um, the mm-hmm. the crashing uh, episode, that whole series, that's a, a Pete Holmes series, and it's directed by Judd Apatow. He's the guy who did um, like Blades of Glory and a lot of those really silly. Mm-hmm. It's more of a silly comedy. Um, in this case, in some in some parts of it, were sort of a black comedy, mm-hmm. dark um, comedic sections. I had a lot of you know also sort of well known actors on that uh, on that film as well. But Judd was great to work with, um, and we were shooting that one sort of outdoors. And again, here is another example of mm-hmm. randomly um, how my playing instruments got me involved in yet another project. Um, this one was looking for someone who could play an instrument. You could play in the middle of a field like outside. Mm-hmm. So I brought my guitar and my flute randomly because it's pretty transportable. Um, because these are, um, they wanted something that sounded kind of Irish Oh
0: sure, in this right.
4: case. So, so I played a little Irish ditty on the flute and I sang a couple of strophic Irish, Irish folk songs on the guitar um, just to see, they wanted somebody who could both sing and play. Mm-hmm. And oddly, I thought a little oddly they chose uh, my flute. Um, so I am in the episode <laughs> of the first season of crashing in episode eight. I'm playing the flute in the middle of the field and singing. Oh. Um, so strangely at a church service, the church mm-hmm. service is for baptism. So we're outside because, because of the water. Uh, so it's a big bat- baptism, adult baptism in a pool. So mm. it's a sort of a religious ceremony, um, and I am the musical component of that church service. Mm. So stra- another strange uh, audition story. You know, all, again, all these people going in, a lot of them had guitars because it's a portable instrument. Um, but, you know, I saw ukuleles and banjos and um, uh, harmonicas that you mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you're a harmonica player, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. You could call so, it that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So you, you know how it goes whatever instruments were portable, I think was the only thing. And, uh, we had to prepare something that was sort of Irish sounding. Right, right. Um, so Irish folk songy. Yeah. So that was another great experience again, working, you know, carting my flute around uh, on, on set and, and, um, you know, playing different ditties that they mm-hmm. wanted to hear and see if they would blend into the episode. So, It was a lot of fun. Um, I've had a lot of really good luck working with amazing crews. Mm -hmm. Um, I've, you know, had some smaller indie film experience, and those those are always fun. Played the, you know, a Mm -hmm. bang bang shoot 'em up kind of a, um, more like a, a anthropologist gone rogue, you know, kind of character rescuing my daughter from the clutches of an evil. Um, maniac, you know, those, those are the the fun stories you never get tired of telling.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so uh, we've heard a lot about the good and all of your accomplishments and all these great things that you've done. One thing I like to do is um, ask about war stories or the bad or disasters that have happened. (laughs) Do you have any of those stories for us?
4: I sure do. Um, We'll go back to, um, I've, I've had many, many of, of, things gone completely awry, mm-hmm. um, uh, small and large, um, on stage. And sometimes you're able to save it. And sometimes you're not, <laughs> um, in the case of phantom, there are, you know, there are big, big technical, um, things that happen in the show. Um, and mm-hmm. so there have been a few there, uh, where we have actually had to, to stop the show. I, I, remember seeing the end of think of me and they couldn't get the curtain out. um, at the end to move into the next scene. And so I just hear a stage manager um, whispering from off in one of the wings, Kelly, Kelly, we're stopping, we're stopping, we're stopping the show. So I danced my way gracefully, I hope, Mm -hmm. um, off into a wing, and they had to bring down the show and and just um, bring in the fire curtain and and change that one over. But one of my favorite stories actually happened, or least favorite stories, depending on how you look at it, happened in London. Mm -hmm. And this was when I was on for the role of Magnolia, which mm-hmm. is the central character in, in Showboat. Um, the, the girl whose story, who's are we're, we're getting this story from her perspective. And I was an understudy, which I think I've mentioned to you has to often wear costumes that are not mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the woman who wears this costume, usually, um, the, this beautiful, beautiful, uh, period Costume was just a little taller than I am, <laughs> so I'm a kind of a short person. Um, so I was wearing heels and doing my best, but I can't make myself any taller than I am. And uh, sure enough, the scene is in the middle of one of Susan Stroman's beautiful montages, where cars, full size automobiles, and houses are spinning on stage, and everyone's. You know, there are 52 cast members. It's the biggest scene you've ever seen in your life spinning around and and doing charlestons on top of buggies and it's crazy (laughs) and magnolia is leaving her her parents parthy and captain andy and the showboat behind her to move with her husband ravenal to the big city of chicago at that time Mm -hmm. so there's the scene and i'm supposed to run like fields through the flowers across the stage and hug my mother goodbye and i'm (laughs) holding my plastic baby right Mm -hmm. So at the time, I, I was holding a, an infant wrapped up to look like my baby, <laughs> and you guessed it—in my period heels, with my costume that's too long for me, I went skidding across the stage, fell into a half split like a like a <sighs> like a baseball player sliding into third.
0: Oh, jeez!
4: And slid across the stage, <laughs> <laughs> took a huge digger right down center where nothing else is happening right Uh whole audience you can hear them the whole breath gets sucked out of the theater just (gasps) right (laughs) Uh, on under the heading of the most embarrassing things that have ever happened to you in your lifetime Mm. good little actress that i am i vaulted the plastic baby to the ceiling above my head (laughs) right Holding it up like 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 Jesus in Nazareth, right? so I've got the baby vaulted to the ceiling, and Carol Shelley, this wonderful famous actress, comes my playing my mother, comes running toward me, and leans over me and says, "Is the baby okay? And <laughs> she lifts me out of my pile of humiliation in the middle of the stage.
0: Oh jeez.
4: And then I have to recover and leap into an automobile with my the, the actor, um, actually Hugh Panero, who played also played the Phantom for years. Oh, I got sure. the pleasure of doing both of those shows with him. <laughs> um, so he he and I leapt into the automobile and drove off stage. Hmm. I have never been so humiliated in my entire life. Oh, now, bet. fortunately, the next scene after that is her. He leaves her. Hmm. The character Ravenall you know, is a, is a rogue and a, and a scoundrel mm-hmm. and he leaves his wife and baby. And so it's a breakdown. So as I'm reading the sort of dear Jane letter from Ravenall saying, I'll, I'm, I leave you, I'm leaving you. Uh, I'm not coming back. I love you. I'm sorry. I'm having, it, it fortunately was a complete breakdown. So I could pour all of my embarrassment and more you know mortified feelings into this scene and so of course you imagine what came out on the other end was the best breakdown i've ever done it was sort of <laughs> ah, you know, this ugly ugly cry and all of that oh, but that that's one of my wor- wor- worst the sort of actor worst nightmare horror stories
0: Oh, man. And and it's like when things like that happen, then all of a sudden you're like, hey, it's almost a relief when it's over because, you know, nothing else this bad can ever happen again, you know? Well, you you (laughs)
4: hope so. You hope so.
0: Yeah, Well, you did it. My heart's still beating and I'm through it. But yeah, I've had all kinds of things happen on stage, whether it be somebody goes up on a line or somebody forgets to move a prop out or, um, you know, and there's always ways that we can... um, recover from it. You know, luckily, you know, the the ensemble that I worked with for a number of years, we all kind of knew each other well and we knew each other's parts and a lot of people had done the shows time and time again. So, um, yeah you know, we were um you know, uh you know, we were able to kind of recover from things whenever something happened and we were able to kind of laugh at it, you know, not too far after that, but um Sometimes though, it's it's that first feeling that you get when the thing happens. It's like you you get that feeling of doom that they call you know, like almost like a, uh, um, they say the feeling of impending doom, like you're having a heart attack or something. You know, like it just hits you.
4: <laughs> Absolutely, like you you feel like your face gut. is going to explode and your you know yeah. your heart is racing and you're trying to think, oh my gosh, how am I going to get out of this?
0: Oh boy, I know, I know, but um. Yeah, I guess, you know, happens to the best of us, you know, and, um, you know, there's been some really funny things I've gotten, you know, in doing a lot of these episodes from people. So that's great. That's great. Well, Kelly, you've been great to have as a guest today, and I've loved having you. And I definitely want to have you on again, you know. Um, oh, you, you I would love that.
1: Thank you. You,
0: you would definitely, uh, I would love to have you back some other time, um, especially maybe when um, Broadway opens back up and maybe I can get an update on Phantom from Un Satomi. Um, she's been absolutely great too. And I'm, I, I'm thankful to Satomi for introducing me to you. Um, I've Aww. actually been a guest on her podcast too, and we had a lot of fun. And, oh
4: man, um, you, you've you been so wonderful Thank you so much
0: Well, I, I, like I said, I appreciate you taking the time To come speak with us today And um, you want to do some plugs Is there anything you'd like to plug right now? <laughs>
4: uh no i'm doing mostly uh i'm mostly a kindergarten teacher these days um Mm -hmm. uh so i'm i'm still auditioning uh mostly for tv and film Mm -hmm. right now uh because that's that's the kind of thing that you can audition for with tapes that come out of your house Mm -hmm. um but uh and uh since our our the sort of theater life is at at a a bit of a pause right now Mm -hmm. um uh i'm doing a lot of auditioning but i i haven't got a ton of things going we are definitely i'm uh, singing with an organization or we have this wonderful organization called Broadway hearts. Oh yes. Tony may have mentioned. Oh yes, she um, has. So I also do, um, tapes for them and I, I, work with them, uh, which is, um, more of a volunteer thing, but they're mm-hmm. a wonderful organization out of New York, Broadway, Broadway hearts. You can look for them on, um, hashtag Broadway hearts on in- Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, or various things like that. Broadway Hearts uh, also has a Facebook page uh, that's easy to look up, and um, mostly uh, it is a charity uh, organization that um, brings Broadway to children. Uh, with either disability disabilities injuries or illnesses mm-hmm. um, in various children's hospitals we work with the Ronald McDonald house we work with um, uh, Mount Sinai and a whole bunch of the the Kravitz Children's Center at Mount Sinai and a whole bunch of different um, wonderful um, uh, places that have decided and now we're expanding beyond New York we've got we've got outreach programs especially since zoom and all mm-hmm. of the the virtual programs Google Meet have have branched us out into hospitals across the country. Um, we're looking forward to uh, reaching uh, many more kids that aren't going to be able to come to Broadway themselves, uh, and this is a way Broadway professionals can bring their expertise into uh, the lives of kids who wouldn't otherwise be able to contact
0: right. Broadway
4: or the or the arts.
0: I've seen a number of the videos that have been uh, that you have out as I guess maybe either samples or ones that you've done for people and I tell you they're just great. everybody every last one of you is just damn good and uh, um,
4: it's a lot of fun and and during you know, this time when a lot of us aren't having uh, as many uh, let's say creative outlets as we're used to having um, this this is a wonderful it's a wonderful organization and I couldn't be more proud of the work they do.
0: Well that's great that's great and you should be proud of it because it's just a, like I said just a remarkable thing and it's it's very very well done and very 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 kind very a very kind uh, group of people and um you know well Kelly uh, again thank you so much It's you've been listening to Kelly Jean Grant here on foul players radio um Thank you again for a wonderful interview. Um, I've enjoyed having you. And uh, thank you all for listening. And Kelly, please come back sometime, okay?
4: Oh, I would love that. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thanks again. And uh, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Howdy. It's Matt Gwynn here,
3: popping in to let you know about the adventures of the albino rhino. It's a show. Uh... Frank the Giraffe here. My host, James Godwin, and myself put on for you guys twice a week. Uh, every Wednesday we talk to a comedian, and every Friday we call it Freaky yeah Friday. The show itself is not safe for work, and that freak is definitely a different word. I just don't know what podcast you're going to be listening to this promo on. And I don't want to, uh, you know, start screaming explicatives while you're sitting in your office. If you're lucky enough to have been able to go back to the work that you did before inside of an office or whatever, you know, but we go on an adventure twice a week, and it's a good time. Because we get to sit down and talk to some really cool people. Uh, And I enjoy it because, you know, I'm just curious little albino who uh, likes to get to know folks. You know, you can find us a couple ways, actually multiple ways. Really, man, there's a lot of different ways to find us. You can find us through our central hub, which is www.albinorhino.me. It's the website. Find me on. And then, you know, the podcast, you can find the videos on YouTube. Search for Adventures of the Albino Rhino. Also linkable from our website. You can also find us through Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Radio Public, and Spotify. That's right. We're on the same place Joe Rogan is. Granted, we're we're not the Joe Rogan experience. But you know what I mean? We're there we're there. So give us a listen. Promise you won't be, promise you won't be dissatisfied and enjoy your day.
6: Minions, Mike here for Misery Point Radio, and you're listening to the Coast to Coast Power Hour on the SJ Network. Now, I know what you're thinking. Mike, what the F is a Coast to Coast Power Hour? Well, my uneducated and uninformed friend, the Coast to Coast Power Hour is a board-like collective of epic podcasters from epic podcasts that have all come together to discuss the important things in life. Pop culture, current events, random awesomeness stuff like that trust me you need this in your life for more information on this show and all the shows on the coast to coast power hour as well as on the sj network reach out to publicist steve Joyner at www.s-j-network.com or stevesjnetwork at gmail.com no need to thank me i'm just out here you know changing lives
5: What's Your and Binge is a podcast brought to you by Chris, Anchor, and Spotify, and what we talk to our guests about is what they're currently binge-watching on TV, and uh, what we do is we like to uh, take a different approach. I don't want to know what the name of the show is that they're going to talk about before they come on. I have to actually guess it, so I ask them who, what, when, where, why, and uh, try to figure out what it is that they're watching. A lot of times I'm able to guess it, and sometimes I'm not, and that's fine. That adds to the comedy of the show. We like to bring our guest on, whether they're a model or an actress or a producer or a musician, and just let them have a platform to be able to tell everybody what they have coming up next, and also entertain everybody with what's worth watching. So, I hope everybody tunes in for the next episode of
2: What's Your F and Binge. Thanks. It's Chris. This podcast is part of the SJ Network.
3: Go to s j network.com for more great podcasts and for contact information on publicist Steve Joyner.